Well, this half hour, we're going to talk about the problem with lack of internet speed on in many First Nations communities and just what an impact it is having uh, on abilities as it, the speed of internet and connectivity gets faster and faster in other parts of the country, just what kind of disadvantage that is and why it is and how it can be fixed. But first, uh, quickly, Pope Francis, as we now know, we've been talking about it all day in the news, we now know his itinerary uh, for his visit to Canada between July 24th and 29th. He'll be in Edmonton, Iqaluit, and uh, Quebec City over over that time, we know that he's going to uh, reiterate his apology that he made on to residential school survivors and their families in the Vatican uh, at the Vatican last month. Uh, he will do that on Canadian soil, as was promised. He will also make a visit to a residential school, we understand. Archbishop Richard Smith is the general coordinator of the visit for the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Um, again, he says that uh, the Pope will go to the site of a former residential school, but plans have been limited by the 85-year-old pontiff's health and decreasing mobility. But the Vatican said, look, uh, given uh, the Pope's current conditions, this, this will have to be very, very carefully and strictly restricted. He cannot do much. That is Archbishop Richard Smith of Edmonton. Well, Tecumlips Chief Cookby Roseanne Casimir uh, is disappointed that the Pope won't be coming to BC during his visit. Uh, Casimir, of course, went to Rome in March as part of a delegation of Indigenous, Indigenous Canadians. So knowing that I gave him an invitation um, and that British Columbia isn't, you know, in, taken into consideration, it is, you know, kind of disappointing in the fact that it would be extremely meaningful. Uh, Roseanne Casimir there. She says she hopes Francis hears directly the stories from residential school survivors that have been impacted uh, and perhaps that uh, he can change his mind and make that trip uh, to Kamloops. With more on this, I'm joined by Chief Joe Alphonse. He's the tribal chair of the Tilcotin Nationwide Authorities uh, and a recent inductee into the Order of British Columbia. Uh, Chief Alphonse, thanks so much for your time tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. I guess I, I'm really interested in talking about uh, this op-ed that you wrote for the Globe and Mail about internet connectivity because it's such an interesting story. But I did want to ask you first off about uh, about the Pope's visit and just the fact that he's not coming to British Columbia. I know we're approaching the one-year anniversary of, of you know news emerging from the Kamloops Indian Residential School of the remains of the 215 children buried there. And uh, I guess it would have been symbolic for him to come to British Columbia. Oh, absolutely. I think... Um you know, the majority of the bands in Canada actually are here in British Columbia, and so probably the biggest impact he's had is, is although they've had big impacts on all Indigenous peoples all across this country, you know, we here in British Columbia, um, you know, that's where the 215 burial grounds were, were first discovered that, that, that prompted this, this movement to to reconcile and further than that you know this is where the first indigenous uh, nation has uh, proven title you know and and they 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 should um, pay tribute to that and and from the British Columbia and you know not not just make a you know a, a word apology you know like that that that's you know they need to pay for for the dysfunction they've caused in our in in our nations. Every indigenous person in this country has been affected by by what the, the these institutions that they represent have done to our people. So, you know, don't just 
you know, they need to back that up. The words, words aren't enough. I was, I was realizing that it had been a year. It's coming up on a one year on one year since. The, how, how do you look back at the past year? Do you think? Do you think um, we've? Do you think? Can it, in general that there's been progress in reconciliation given just the reaction to what was discovered, what was uncovered in Kamloops? You know what was uh, discovered in Kamloops. Um, and, you know, it hasn't changed anything in terms of us as Indigenous people. But what it has done is it's allowed the rest of Canada to actually stop and listen because it's not just stories anymore. There's actual evidence. Of the stories are people that have been telling over and over and over again. And we weren't allowed to tell those stories. You know, we'd get shut down. We'd get, you know, they, they, they would humiliate uh, Indigenous people in telling those stories now. Now it's being told. And, you know, we're only at the tip of the iceberg. You know, we, you know, uh, we dig a little deeper. You know, we, it's horrifying what, what, what these institutions done to our people, to any group of people anywhere. What, what have you heard over the past weeks since the apology was made in, at the Vatican? I, I gather the Pope will, will repeat that apology here. Has it brought any comfort at all to, uh, to the survivors in your community? Um, you know, I think there's interest in having an apology, but I think more and more, you know, um, that so-called apology, like I, I, from my perspective, that that really wasn't an apology at all, as far as I'm concerned. How so? <laughs> there's no emotion. There's no, you know, there you read body language. There's more than just, one form of communication and for what they've done, de- denying that and trying to keep it as low key as they possibly can get. You know, that's, that's, that's not an apology. You know, mean, say it, mean it, come out to the locations, come to the places that where these babies have been, burial grounds have been discovered and, and pay tribute to that, honor those people and honor those, you know, and, and acknowledge what, what, what had happened and, what had happened at the hands of uh, at, at, at their discretion, you know, and and by all means they should be coming forward and wanting to help and assist uh, Indigenous peoples um, in in their healing journey, not not just not just sit at a podium and apologize. Words are that's that's just words. Like you know, we need more than that. We need we need to heal from what they've done to our people. Chief Alphonse, to change the topic only because I wanted to get enough time to talk about this, you did write a really interesting piece for the Globe and Mail recently about about internet connectivity on First Nations reserves and just what a problem it's become. And I imagine during the pandemic, it became even more glaring. Uh, I was I, I wasn't surprised by the numbers, but certainly this is a big issue uh, for communities such as yours not being able to be part of this ever speeding up process of connectivity. You know, I think as generations go, you know, um, um, the world is just speeding up. And, uh, you know, um, um, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to go through, through to high school nowadays. And, you know, there's there's no way of um, that I could imagine what that's like. And the peer pressures and social media and, you know, computer programs and all of that stuff. So, so you know, we, we want to be able to compete we want to be able to be 
you know, with the same level as all other Canadians and stuff. At one time, it was a big deal just to get a highway up into our communities and then power lines and running water. And now, today, in today's world, it's it's um, it's 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 internet access. That's the world at your fingertips. It's education. It's it's a social release and and all of that. And we want we want to be on a level playing field as every other Canadian that's out there. And yet, a lot of our people and you know the everyday operation of our band offices right down to you know um, trying to stay connected with family members and all of those things that it. it, it it's it's important that we 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 have all the same access as everyone else. I understand that access right now is is not nearly there. It's it's both uh, not particularly good and it is particularly expensive. Um, very expensive. It's uh, you know we we for you know families out here we you know they have to put up uh, satellite dishes uh, if they want to. TV programs and and uh, and to get Wi-Fi and and all of that and you know it's 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 really it's costly and with the prices of everything else fuel costs and everything else a lot of our communities uh, lack opportunity uh, um, you know the, the economy jobs opportunities is, is very limited in a lot of our rural communities and stuff so. So it, it it becomes um it becomes very challenging um for for a lot of our people just to you know, um what do you do? <laughs> what yeah. do you do? We're all left in the dark here. I'm speaking with Chief Joe Alphonse, Tribal Chair of the Tilcotine Nationwide Authorities and the Chief of the Cladincotine uh, government. Apologies for the pronunciation. You can correct me when we come back. Um when we do come back, we're going to talk a bit more about um, just about how to solve this issue, because at the you know right now we're seeing um, high speed internet work in Ukraine, for instance, in the middle of a war zone. It seems incredible that we can't at least provide communities right across this country, even remote communities, with uh, with sufficient and affordable internet access. We'll be back with that. This half hour, we're speaking with Chief Joe Alphonse, Tribal Chair of the Tilcotine Nationwide Authorities and Chief of the Cladincotine Government. Uh, we've been talking uh, in the last bit just about the issue of internet connectivity uh, on First Nations reserves across the country, but specifically in more remote areas, and just what a challenge it's been and, and how long it's been and how much uh, they've been raising the alarm about the fact that uh, as the rest of the world speeds up in terms of its internet uh, capacity that other communities are being left behind and what kind of impact that could have. Uh, Chief Alphonse, what would be the solution here? I, I gather you've been told sort of wait and see on many fronts for a long time, and this is just another one of them. Absolutely. You know, when you look at the statistics uh, from 2019, for example, we have 87.4% uh, 80, of Canadian households have internet access and if you compare that to First Nation homes, uh, 34% of First Nation homes have internet access. Like that, there's a huge gap there. And, yeah. you know, we need to, we need to, um, you know, close that gap and provide those same opportunities for our membership. You know, it's whether it's, um, you know, social to stay connected to family or, 
um, economic opportunities, way of uh, staying connected to 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 businesses around you. All of those things all all tie into one another. So Canadian Canadian government, CR, CRTC and stuff, you know they, you know it's almost impossible to 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 have your applications looked at by them. So that definitely needs to be sped up and. Uh, they need to prioritize uh, Indigenous communities that that are in rural settings. You know, uh, um, there used to be a promise that all Canadians would have all the same opportunity. Well, that's not the case. We 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 you know are are we're still battling for clean drinking water, and you know now you you want internet access for you you can get it, but you're gonna it's gonna cost you three hundred dollars uh a month when when the majority of our homes on 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 reserve land people families are are living on you know on average ten thousand dollars a year so what are you going to spend that three hundred dollars on internet access or are you going to spend that on trying to feed your family and that's what it comes down for a lot of our people yeah, and it shouldn't be a choice that has to be made. I mean, you're right. Something like connectivity becomes such um, an important thing when it comes to how you just education, opportunity, business. It's such an important thing these days that you would think it might be one of the things that would be a really quick fix in a lot of communities to build that up and allow uh, that connectivity to exist so that you are plugged in uh, to do as, you know, to to use it as everyone else does, right? Just to be part of this whole global community. We want to be able to access, even from a governance point of view, mm-hmm. a lot of the health services that are provided out there is done through connectivity, and, and we don't have it. You know, we have to spend tremendous amount. You know, we up until the uh, pandemic, we would have to, to bus our, uh, our, our members, and, you know, an hour and 15-minute drive, 100 and 110 kilometers into Williams Lake just to get a doctor's appointment. You know what? You can do all this stuff through the internet. And it and must be tough on... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So, so it costs us a lot of money in terms of governance and spending and stuff. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's shameful. You you see, you know, you go to the big cities and they, they talk about all of this advancement and yet we're not even close to it. Do you see any quick solutions out there? I mean, do people come to you with ideas for, because there is an awful lot of, there's a lot of technology out there that can perceive, you know, presumably help make this happen. Do you see anything out there that, that seems like it could solve this problem relatively quickly? Well, hopefully uh, maybe a, a willing politician, a willing government that's willing to stand up and not just talk about doing the right thing for indigenous people, but, do it, you know. Put some real, put some, put some, put some meat on those promises. Deliver some of these programs. It's, it's, the technology is there. It's just a matter, you know. What are they going to prioritize? You know, as, as Indigenous people, you know, we're often, uh, we're, we're, we're often the forgotten ones in this country. And I often say, you know, this country will not see its full potential until they include. All indigenous peoples um, in 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 all of their in all of their governance. You know, they they continue to, to to pull resources out of our territories on a daily basis. Whether it's a uh, a gas company, a, 
oil and gas company, a mining company, or, or logging company, you know, our our resources are are out exiting our territories uh, at uh, a phenomenal rate, a rate that we've never seen. But yet, what that's leaving, but what's coming back into our communities, you know, I would say is probably an all-time low in terms of resources to help govern our, our people and to look after our people. So there has to be a balance. Chief Alphonse, uh, a really interesting topic. Connectivity seems like such a simple thing to provide to communities. It's, it's provided to so many remote communities around the world now. Um, and hopefully uh, there is a solution out there and it comes quickly. Thank you so much for explaining the situation tonight. Uh, I think it's been very enlightening. Thank you. Yeah, and I was letting uh, I'm also a member of the Saitkoti Nation. We're one of the only nations that have won Aboriginal title and yet, you know, we continue to fight to this day for this kind of stuff. So thank you for getting me on the air. Thanks. Yep.